how we can honour God with our work. And um, kind of, I guess specifically for many people, this will be the job that they do um, on a kind of day-to-day basis, thing you get paid to do. But we need to recognize that not everybody gets paid to work. There might be some people here who maybe they give their time voluntarily. Maybe they are kind of an unpaid kind of, kind of child raiser or an unpaid kind of carer of parents or whatever it might be. Also recognize that you might be sitting here, maybe you're retired and you no longer work. Well, you can switch off. Um, <laughs> and I hope you did it all right in the first place. Uh, and even if you're unemployed, if you're looking for work. You can still make a decision that actually when I get a job, I'm going to honour the God who helped me get the job when I actually get it. And you can honour a job in your job searching as well. One of the problems we have and one of the things that that film was really trying to get over was that as, as, as Christians, we can often make the big mistake of kind of dividing life into things that are kind of to do with God and things that are not to do with God. A term that's been used to kind of describe this is the sacred-secular divide. Sacred being the things of God and secular being the things that are not of God. Almost like we see our life a little bit more like an orange or a satsuma like this, where it's kind of split kind of neatly into little segments and, and kind of, we, we, we could often be guilty of kind of like peeling off certain segments and kind of going, well, those segments are the ones that God's interested in. And this kind of rest of my life is just for me to get on with and almost do with as I like. But it's completely and utterly wrong way to think of life. We should be thinking of it more like an apple where you cannot kind of tell where one bit starts and the other bit starts, but actually the whole thing is linked together as one. Your whole life is what God is interested in, and you should not be taking your work segment and thinking of it any differently than, as we saw in that film, the segment where you kind of, you probably use the term, that's where I serve God. Well, you're not going to be able to use that term by the time I finish today. As churches, we've been guilty of carrying on this thinking. In my preparation for this, there was a quote that I read quite a few times by someone. And, um, and, and they said these words. They said, I spend an hour teaching Sunday school each week. And the church drag me up the front and they pray for me in that hour. And yet I spend the rest of my week teaching in a school. And they never pray for that part of me and my life. Well, today we're going to try and turn the tables on that. Someone once did a study of of what they considered to be the 40 of the highest profile people from the Bible. Kind of people that we look up to as examples of great faith, people like maybe Abraham, Moses, Noah, those kinds of people. And having studied 40 of them, he discovered that actually around three quarters of them never ever had a a kind of a job or a profession that you would consider related to kind of God's stuff. Okay, so three quarters of them had normal work, normal jobs. They were never priests, they weren't pastors, they weren't missionaries. None of them were in full-time ministry. You can just think of a few examples. Nehemiah um, from the Old Testament, he served Artaxerxes, and uh, he was basically a, ser- a kind of a, a servant, a high-level servant. When he led the people back to Jerusalem, he wasn't a priest; he was a city planner, a civil engineer. He was a construction manager. These are some of the things that he did. When you think of King David and King Solomon, 
effectively, they were almost kind of like politicians, really. They were kind of, they were responsible for kind of leading a country. Although we know they had a lot to say about, about God, that wasn't there. They weren't kind of like there as kind of priests. They were there as kings and they were leading. Abraham, he was a nomadic shepherd. That was kind of the thing that he did. Even Jesus spent around 14 to 16 years of his life doing a manual job before he started his full-time ministry, of which he only did three years. So Jesus was primarily somebody who just worked a job. Paul the Apostle, who planted many of the churches um, that started the, kind of like the, the, the Christian movement and revolution, was self-employed as a tent maker. They held for their whole life what some people refer to as secular jobs. I'd like to challenge that this morning, that there is no such thing as a secular job if you are a Christian. There's no such thing as a secular job. You might be in a secular workplace. You know, There's quite a few people in this church who aren't in secular workplaces, who maybe work for Christian charities in the city, of which I am one of those people. But for those of you that don't, you, you, your job isn't a secular job. Your job is a job that God has given you and he desires to use and he desires to use you in that location. He desires for your job and your work to be something where you express something of the kingdom of God in, what you, in doing what you do. In the Bible, Daniel was one such person who worked in a secular workplace and he can inspire this, us this morning to honor God with our work. Basically, Daniel had a job in government. He worked for the king of Babylon and, uh, and held a high-level position within the organization. But he made his mark. He made his mark, as did so many of the heroes of faith, in doing his job brilliantly and standing out from the crowd. This is from the chapter 6 of the book of Daniel in the Old Testament part of the Bible. It says, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, okay, which are kind of, um, kind of the, the, it means protector of the kingdom. So I guess, um, yeah, potentially kind of like a police kind of type role. Um, with three chief ministers over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so the king might not suffer loss. So basically, Darius was Daniel's boss, and he decided to restructure his government, created 120 new jobs, hired 120 men to fill these positions, and gave them territories throughout the country. And he then made these 120 satraps report to three administrators, one of whom was Daniel. So effectively, Daniel was in upper management in government. Um, I guess you'd probably call him a civil servant today. Now what's brilliant is where we could get to verse 3, And we we can see something in Daniel that hopefully will inspire us as to how we do our work, whatever that work may be. It says this, it says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the chief ministers and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. When it comes to honoring God with our work, we kind of see something of Daniel honoring God. We know that we, many of you will know the story of Daniel where he was put under persecution, where he was being forced to kind of bow the knee to a foreign God and he chose not to. Ended up in a lion's den. That Daniel, yeah, that's the one we're talking about. Um, and God saved him from, from the lions. But, but kind of like a key part of his life and his story was that he was a man 
of exceptional qualities. Actually, back in chapter 5, there is a, one, of the, one of the versions of the Bible actually talks of Daniel having a spirit of excellence. A spirit of excellence. And, and, and I don't know if you, what, what you feel when you read that. He stood out because of his exceptional qualities. Now, you might be kind of sitting there thinking, well, yeah, it's all very well. Well, he was obviously really clever, really smart, really bright. But the, the, the truth is that for you to honor God in your work, whatever that work might be, might be, you can stand out by your exceptional qualities. You really can. That may not mean you're the cleverest person in the office, yeah? That may not mean you're the cleverest researcher in the university or the hospital where you're working. That may not even mean you're the best cleaner in your cleaning company. But you can still have exceptional qualities. You really can. You can be the person with the best attitude at work, yeah? If I had a choice, and I'm, I'm responsible for employing a few people, um, and if I had the choice between someone extremely clever with a bad attitude or someone kind of like middle clever with a great attitude, I'd take the second person every time. And, and, and the reason I'm saying this is because we're all, we're, all only, we're all given a certain level of gifting and intelligence and stuff like that. And we can build on it and we can work on it and we can try and improve education, kind of skills, all that, all that sort of stuff. But we only have so much control over that. But we have total control over how we are. Your exceptional quality might be, as we saw, the most caring person in the staff room. Your exceptional quality might be you are the most kind of enthusiastic person serving that coffee in Costa. What might, whatever it is, you actually have a real chance and opportunity to be a Daniel and to stand out with exceptional qualities. You might kind of think, oh really? Why? <laughs> Sounds like, you know, it takes emotional energy to be caring and enthusiastic and all that sort of stuff, doesn't it? Um, well, it does for me anyway. Um, Daniel saw himself not as a slave to Darius, not as someone who is working for Darius first and foremost. He saw that, that what he had been called to do was to serve God. He'd been called to serve God as a senior civil servant in the Babylonian government. That is what he had been called to do. And because of that, every day that he went to work, he wasn't thinking, what do I do to, need to do to impress my bosses? What do I need to do? He was thinking, what do I need to do today to impress my father in heaven? That good, good father that we've just sung about. What do I need to do? By the way, we, in a sense, we know we don't need to impress our Father in heaven. But what would bless our Father in heaven? What would please our Father in heaven? How can we go about our work? Be that in a business, be that in a hospital, be it as a self-employed musician. What, how can we bring this and how can we serve our God with excellence? 
The story of Daniel comes from um, the Old Testament. The New Testament um, uh, kind of has quite a, a bit to say about this as well. I'm going to just take a few verses um, from the book of uh, Ephesians. So the book of Ephesians was a letter that was written by Paul, who was like one of the early kind of church people. He set up a lot of churches in different places, including one in Ephesus, which was an ancient Greek city currently found in Turkey, which is interesting, isn't it? I didn't know that. But it hasn't moved. <laughs> it's the borders that have moved, just so you know. So but before I read this, there's a little bit here about slaves, okay? Um, just important to understand that kind of particularly uh, in the New Testament, when they talk about slaves, it tended to mean kind of servants in someone's household, yeah? This isn't kind of people being kind of like, well, they might have got whipped or whatever, but it wasn't the oppressive stuff that William Wilberforce and other heroes of the faith came to, to pull down. It still doesn't mean, obviously, it's not, uh, still not ideal, um, but it's not, uh, it, it, this isn't the Bible condoning slavery. I think that's the main thing just to, to say. And so it says this. He says slaves, and maybe that should be every single one of us who's doing a job somewhere. <laughs> you probably feel like it sometimes. Um, from Caps, amen. I'm gonna, yeah. um, slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, or servants of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. This concept, okay, of working with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So work as though you were working for the Lord is transformational when it comes to the issue of work. That wherever you are, whatever you do, you don't kind of say, well, this bit, well, you know, this, this is just my work. What has this got to do with God? It's got everything to do with God. God is the one who designs work, created work. We know, don't we, that, that, that he has created us. He's created us for work. He's created us to be part of his kind of ongoing creation that happens through work. Ongoing service of other people, whatever it might be, wherever it might be. But do it as though you were working for the Lord. Because no matter how good your boss is, and I'm guessing a lot of them will be pretty rubbish. But even if you've got a really, really great boss, they're only going to be so motivational as to how much I'm going to do it for them. Or how much I'm going to do it for the other people I'm working with. But if we think, actually, I haven't turned up to serve you this morning. I've turned up to serve the living God. I'm going to stack these shelves in worship of the living God. Yeah? I'm going to raise this child in worship of the living God. I'm going to run my printing business in worship to the living God. Yeah? I'm going to design exhibition stands in worship to the living God. I'm going to be a financial advisor in worship to the living God. 
to have that mindset can transform everything. It can transform your attitude. And instead of seeing that actually it's when you're up here leading worship or you're out there running kids' work or you're at home leading a light group or you're in food bank stacking shelves and reaching out to people in need, instead of seeing as that is your service to God, you see your whole life as service to God. He says, work with enthusiasm. Now, there's a good deal of you in here kind of think, seriously? Work with enthusiasm every single day. But this, but, but this is the thing. I understand it. If you think I'm just turning up to data input a load of stuff so that this insurance company doesn't get fined by the regulator or whatever it might be and make sure it's all done properly or whatever. And actually, that's just, you know, you expect me to be enthusiastic about that? Well, actually, if you put your hand in God's hand at the beginning of the day, say, come on, God, we're off to work. Yeah? I want to do this for you. I want to do this hand in hand with you. Then you will be honoring God in your work. And I dare say that he will be able to give you an enthusiasm that you wouldn't be able to just muster up by yourself. Yeah? That you wouldn't be able to muster up by yourself. Even in this. So Paul is talking to slaves. So no matter how bad you might think your job is, yeah, these, the, these guys didn't get to go home at the end of the day. You know, they, they were kind of, many of them were kind of trapped normally for like five to seven years in kind of slavery, working for a particular household. They had no choice. They had no freedom. And even to them, Paul says, work with enthusiasm. Work with enthusiasm. Find something in God that means you can be enthusiastic about your work. Be a Daniel. Distinguish yourself with exceptional qualities. Distinguish yourselves as the enthusiastic person. Oh, by the way, a lot of you might think, oh, really? But distinguish yourself by being the caring person at work. Distinguish yourself by being the person of integrity at work. Whatever it is, distinguish yourself. When I think about enthusiasm, anybody who uh, shops in Asda in Shipley and has met the guy behind the fish counter um, knows a guy who distinguishes himself with his enthusiasm. Um, I don't think he gets it from kind of particularly God and God's spirit, particularly not how much he absolutely loves Halloween and tells me every single year. Um, but he might be, you never know, just come up with a slightly interesting track. Um, yeah. I also just saw, there's, there's an encouragement here as well. There's an encouragement. I don't know how many people here would like to earn a little bit more money in their job. Yeah, probably not out of greed, but just that little bit extra, that little bit nicer holiday, nicer, or whatever it might be, you know, or just, you, you've been so desperate to give more to the church, and that's the re- reason you, what, what's, what's funny about that? Um, this is really interesting what it says. It says, remember that the Lord will reward each one, for us, each one of us for the good we do. The Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do. I don't exactly know how this particular bonus is going to turn up in your life. Yeah? But it just says there's something more going on here. And he's going to want to reward those of us who are kind of like going in, seeking to kind of serve him well, serve our, serve our earthly masters well, with good attitude, good heart, and good spirit. He is a, an all-encompassing God. He wants us to, to, to devote all of it to him. 
The next verse just goes on, and this is just a very, very brief thing for anybody who has the privilege and responsibility of being in leadership. He says, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. So he, he was writing to people who were in the church who had slaves, okay? Now, don't write the church off because of that, okay? It was the church that fought the abolition of slavery, okay? But he says, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. I love this. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Society might have its favorites. Society might say this person's more important than that person. Society might say the CEO is more important than the data inputter. God has no favorites. Yeah? God has no favorites. So even if your boss is being a complete jerk to you, yeah? God has no favorites. God doesn't see God, God, God sees you valuable and loving. And I love it. It says, treat your slaves in the same way. And basically, in the same way, he's referring to how the slaves are supposed to behave is also how the masters should behave, um, which basically says, if you refer back to it, have deep respect for them, serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ, try to please them, work with enthusiasm, and work and treat them as if working for the Lord is basically what he is saying. Colossians 3.17 repeats the message, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And finally, as we honor God with our work, remember that you are an ambassador of heaven. You're an ambassador of the living God. You represent God. Yeah, whether you're raising a child, serving coffee in Costa, running your own business, you are God's representative to a world he loves and wants to draw to himself. Now, it may be that people that you work with know that you're a follower of Jesus. It may be that they don't yet know you're a follower of Jesus. The likelihood is they will come to know you're a follower of Jesus, depending on when you choose to act yourself or not. But if they do know, or if they then get to know, then... You better, <clears throat> you better presume that they will get to know it. And you should live and work accordingly. Eric Little, he, a famous kind of sub-four-minute mile, um, uh, chariots of fire fame, said this phrase. He said, we are all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people nearer to Christ or we repel them from Christ. Now, we all know it can be hard at times to share our faith in the workplace, okay? just can be. <clears throat> the good news is that if you honor God in your work, you're already starting to. You're, you, are, you are already sharing your faith, whether you know it or not. So what message are you sending? Are you drawing people to him? So when they do find out you're a Christian, they're like, oh, wow, yeah, I spotted something. I notice caring, loyal, integrity, not gossiping, not backbiting, hardworking, not always on, on their phone, not always on social media when they should be doing their, 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 their job. I notice something different about them, actually. Because if we honor God with our work, then we make the most important start of drawing people to God. If we work with enthusiasm, have the final slide up. If we work with integrity, if we distinguish ourselves like Daniel, we honor God, we draw people to him. If we gossip, if we slag, if we have a bad attitude, 
we dishonor God and we push people away from him. Jesus said, let your light shine that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. As you honor God in your work, that is what you are doing. You are letting your light shine so that people might see how you work and how you do what you do and may praise your father in heaven. And the brilliant thing in all of this is that as you honor God in your work, reminded of that verse from Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. If you honor God in your work, if you follow the wisdom that God gives you, you will be happier in your work. Okay? You will be happier in your work. You will have better job security. You will. Because people don't want to fire people with good attitude. They want to keep people with good attitude. When redundancies come, you know, okay, we don't always know, and if you just be made redundant, take us, take us the wrong way. Yeah? But people will be looking around. Who has got the best heart, the best attitude? Who has distinguished themselves as a person of excellence? And you will stand a better chance of getting promoted, of going on, of maybe earning a bit more. That isn't to say that we do this to get that. But when we live with God's wisdom in our heart, when we work with God's wisdom in our heart, seeking to honor him in all we do, we give glory to him, we send a message to the world around us, and goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our life. So I pray, particularly for those of you who have felt bad, that maybe you felt that you felt that kind of that two hours on a Sunday, once every two months, that you kind of stand on the welcome door, that that's you serving God. Yeah? And the rest of it, because your job's so busy and so hard, is not serving God. I pray you take away a message. God's interested in the whole thing. He loves your work. He loves what you do. Yeah? There'll be a few exceptions, you know. <laughs> Assuming nobody, there's no drug dealers in the house or anything like that. Yeah? But where you are, serve God with all your heart. Serve him passionately, yeah? And let him use you as an agent of change, kingdom change, wherever you are. It'd be great to pray for the people um, who maybe feel they've only ever been prayed for in their food bank serving or their kids' work serving or whatever. So would you like to stand? I'm just going to pray for you and then we'll finish. Father, for every profession that is represented in this room, for every workplace across this city, every office, every hospital ward, every restaurant, every childcare facility, every police station, every school, Lord, so many that we cannot even really name them today in every workplace that we as the Light Church are going to step into this afternoon, tomorrow morning, Wednesday. For every home where someone is sacrificially giving up income that they could be earning so they can raise a family. 
in every place, Lord, that we put our feet, that we turn up and say, here I am, God, use me. Father, I pray that as your people, we would rid ourselves of thinking that you're only interested in stuff that's connected to church. Lord, that we would embrace the calling that you have on each of our lives, that calling to social work, Lord, that calling to, to, to study, Lord, that calling to counseling, whatever it might be. We pray, Father, that you would help us to honor you in that place. We pray that you would help us to work in such a way that tells people of the greatness of God, that tells people of the compassion of God, that tells people of the excellence of our gods that we worship and we serve. We pray that as we do our jobs and our roles in society, that we would do them well for your glory. Lord, that your people would be known as a people with a spirit of excellence. Your people would be people who distinguish themselves, not necessarily by being the cleverest, but in other ways that truly point to your character. And as we do that, Father, may we be a great solid witness for you, Jesus Christ. May people be drawn to want to know more about you because of our participation in the, work, in the workplace rather than repelled from you. Lord, I thank you that the mission field starts at that point as we leave the door today. May we serve you with excellence because we love you and you love us so unconditionally. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Great. Thank you, Matt. Cool. So that's officially the end of our service. So don't forget to pick up your kids from Kids Work. There's tea and coffee at the back. Please stay around. Chat to somebody you don't know. There are always lots of people we don't know, which is a great part of the Light Church. So make an effort. Great. Prayer team is at the back, ready and willing to pray for you on the social